welcome to the Found Cause. We are found our cause in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I am Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my right is Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And off in the airwaves, it's Theodore under the PC, under the person of Christ. Thanks, Theodore. We have another reaction video for you. So hopefully you sit back and relax. You all know it's another Catholic video. I'm sorry for the role. It's just, you know, we do what what suits our fancy, and it seems like Catholics are on the mind these days. Sebastian, you had some background on this this video we're about to watch? Yes, so I thought it'd be great to comment on because it reflects the pop Catholic response to Protestants on the Bible alone or how we got the Bible too. So I thought it'd be very appropriate. The guy who makes these videos, the channel is named Gabby After Hours. His name is Gabriel, Gabriel, probably. he seems to be somewhat Hispanics from what I've gathered from his videos. I don't know what his background is on theology. I saw, I've seen some of his videos with his conversion. He is very devoted to Mary. So there's a lot that could be said on that, but I don't, that's beyond the scope of this specific video. But I don't know. See, the, the arguments are what classic, classic, what's classically given for against Protestants. Yes. And you'll see the title of the video is The Bible is a Catholic Book. We'll let him start. Sadly, many of our Protestant brothers and sisters go their entire lives without asking this very important question. Where did the Bible come from? We agree. I mean, there are plenty of Protestants, plenty of Catholics also, by the way, that don't know where the Bible came from. It just is. So, I mean, is it crucial to your faith? I don't believe so. But when you're questioned on it, I think it's good to know where the Bible came from. When a Catholic says that it makes you Catholic if you believe in the Bible, I mean, it's good to know where your Bible comes from. I agree. The word Bible comes from the Greek ta biblia, which means little books. The New Testament is the collection of little books and letters that were written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit during apostolic times. These revolved around the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus it's not true because there was the whole Old Testament. And he, I think he even says in this video, he emphasizes that especially you should pay attention to the New Testament as opposed to the Old both our scripture, Jesus' time when he refers to scripture, he's referring to the Old Testament and uh, in the New Testament when they continue to refer to scripture, they could be referring to both the letters that are being written and then also the Old, but they definitely refer to the Old Testament. So it didn't all revolve around the life of Jesus Christ. But th so, so that is to say there was established scripture at the time of Jesus Christ's um, ministry on earth. And therefore, he, there was always scripture to reference in uh, biblical times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, Jesus didn't write the Bible. Jesus didn't leave any writings. Jesus didn't instruct anyone to write. Jesus taught with his words. He instituted a church to continue his mission and his teaching. After he ascended into heaven, and after the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles at Pentecost, the apostles, the leaders of the church, handed on to others everything that Jesus had said and done. They usually handed this teaching down verbally, but also sometimes in writing. These sacred writings were collected and compiled by the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church existed before the books and letters of the New Testament were canonized. We agree. So mm -hmm. at, at base, we say, yes, the church existed before the letters were written, clearly, because Jesus institutes the church at his rising. You could say even before his, um, his death. And then it continues on, and they had to write eventually the gospel. It's not like the gospels existed before they were written. Um, we would disagree that the Holy Spirit didn't carry these people on because we say he did. And so it wasn't just the apostles, the apostles carried along by the Holy Spirit, as uh, even scripture itself says. So these aren't just men deciding what they'll write. I also disagree with some of the minutiae that he said. He said that they 
taught orally and and in writing everything Jesus did, we of course that's not true. Um, they get this from an ending to John, which says that like if I could put everything in mm-hmm. here, it would fill a billion books. It's just like a poetic way of saying that I haven't covered everything here, and there's a lot more. But that doesn't mean they taught everything. Um, essentially, we know that a good portion of Jesus's life is unknown to anyone um, because it wasn't something that the apostles knew about that his before messianic before his ministry um what was he doing most people don't know there's only the snippets we know from luke and so we don't believe that those that, that there's a long lineage of traditions of exactly what he did in each year of his life and it's only his ministry that's talked about and in fact a lot of books that are written later trying to fill in those gaps end up being gnostic heresy right. that's rejected even by the catholics and it's not tradition though it is very old <laughs> A brief reading of the Apostolic Fathers will reaffirm that the early church was thoroughly Catholic. What does it mean to be (laughs) Catholic is, again, kind of a subject for another episode, but we agree in this sense that the church Catholic is, is all over the world. So we who are believers exist on every continent, um, including Antarctica these days, and that God's kingdom continues to grow. Um, but we disagree that it is the Roman Catholic Church because the Roman Catholic Church even used to have an exclusive claim to being the only true church these days, according to our comment section and, and certain popes that are currently alive. Um, they accept a lot of other churches as being okay churches, and maybe they're not the only apostolic church. Whatever your belief is, it's not Roman Catholic. It's Christian. That's what the Bible is. Right, and this is before even the such a dogmatic uh, teaching on the papacy arises or before the schism between Eastern Orthodox and Roman Catholics mm-hmm. or with the Coptic people or with the Nestorians, this is, with us, I would say with a smaller case, universal, right. un- with small c, Catholic Church. The word Catholic comes from the Greek word Catholicos, which means universal. Which is why we agree with that definition of it. So as time progressed, these sacred books and epistles were copied, compiled, and canonized by the universal church. With great care and guided by the Holy Spirit, it was the Catholic Church that decided which books and letters were inspired by the Holy Spirit, which books came from trusted New Testament authors, and which were not. This is a point, and you should pay attention, because yes, the Church recognized the canon, but they did not create the canon, so they didn't decide which books were canon. They made a judgment call as to which ones were canon, but that's like saying Newton made a judgment call as to the, the rate of gravity. He didn't create Newton. Isaac Newton did not create gravity. Gravity already existed and it was observable and people based many of things off gravity before Newton wrote it down in a theory. So in the same way, the canon already existed before the church officially recognized it. And um, so we, we do not believe the canon is dependent on the church to decide what it is. The canon already existed. God inspired men via the Holy Spirit to write down scripture and the church then recognizes scripture. And we saw this in the comment section before, so I'm just going to say it again. Um, Many would say that we wouldn't even know what scripture is unless we had the Catholic, the Roman, specifically the Roman Catholic uh-huh. Church, which is a ridiculous claim because the Roman Catholic Church is just one tiny subset of the universal church. But secondarily, even without these councils that said exactly what they believed were in the scriptures, there was not much debate as far as which books belonged in canon. So it's not like this is a very difficult process that needed the exclusive authority of the Pope to declare it. The only books that were even in question, that were even questioned, were Hebrews and Revelation. And even they had broad support when they officially recognized the books. Yes, and it's actually not rocket science. If you go to our episode on Gnosticism, compare the secret 
Gospel of Revelation of John to the actual Gospel of John, you're going to find some absolute insane things like God raping in the secret Gospel of John, God raping Eve, him being a demi uh, inferior God, plurality of gods, emanations. So again, it's not rocket science to decide what is Gnostic, gar Gnostic garbage and what is actually inspired by Yahweh himself. Right. The church existed for over 300 years without finalized Bible. Again, misleading because uh, we agree that the church wasn't even uh, well, the Bible wasn't even around in full. The New Testament wasn't fully written when the church was initially founded. Um, so yes, there were Christians then, but we benefit from having the Bible when it was written. And then secondly, um, the vast majority of the Bible was accepted way before 300 AD. And so people weren't waiting with bated breath to decide which books are right until the Council of Carthage. And we know this because, as I've talked about in my Nestorian video, Titian in the East, try to harmonize the Gospels by around the, around the year 100, give or take. So you, in order to harmonize the Gospels, you need to have access to the Gospels. Otherwise, how can you harmonize them? Yeah. Meaning that they were still around before the, any official pronouncement was made on the canon. Right. It wasn't until the year 382 at the Council of Rome during the reign of Pope Damasus I that we got the canon of Scripture just as we have it today. Again, misleading because the canon already existed. And note that this council was not on scripture, nor is it the official time when the Catholic Church declared scripture. Never did they officially say dogmatically this is the books in scripture because it was widely accepted by the universal church outside of Roman doctrine, outside of Roman purview. And so it didn't take Rome to make the Bible. Everybody had already accepted the Bible. Again, it's kind of like Rome saying gravity exists when the rest of the world already knows that gravity exists. It's not revelation. Right. Yes, you, you said it yourself. These councils, Rome, the one in Hippo Regius, and also the one in Carthage, they were tackling other issues mostly, such as, for example, Carthage and Pelagianism, Augustine against Pelagius. And in my take, you can also see later decrees from Pope Galatius, for example, echoing the decrees of, this, of these councils, how it was mostly deciding um, what was not scripture, like all the Gnostic books that were floating around versus saying this is what the Bible actually is. So the Bible was already around in completed form. Right. And, and eventually the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, did decide exactly dogmatically what was in Scripture. They included the Apocrypha and it was after the Reformation. So long ways afterwards. 1545 for reference. 46 books in the Old Testament and 27 books in the New Testament. The members of the Catholic Church, year after year, hand-copied and reproduced the Bible down through the centuries with these same 73 books. It wasn't until the 16th century during the... Again, note the reference is saying 73 books. That includes the Apocrypha. We know there's only 66 books in actual canon, and the Apocrypha was never recognized by the Jews as Scripture, nor was it by the Church for... Um, 1500 years. I mean, there are people who thought the Apocrypha, just like there's people today in Protestant circles that think the Apocrypha is part of the Bible if it's included in their Bible because they don't know any better. But um, even the the cardinal who fought against Martin Luther did not believe that the Apocrypha was scripture. He just believed it was useful secondary sources. Mm -hmm. Don't let him go. Protestant Reformation, that the Protestants removed seven books from the Bible. Up until then, there was unity. With this rupture, spread the false belief that the Bible alone is all that you need. Before he gets to the Bible alone, <laughs> which says on the removal, and an interesting picture of Billy Graham right there, and 
you were alluding to, Cardinal Cayetan, he is the man who interrogated Luther on behalf of the Catholic Church. A card again, a cardinal, a very important position in the Catholic Church. He would have rejected in the the Apocrypha as being non-canonical. So there was it was said over and over again. You'll find people say that it was good for teaching and instruction, the apocryphal books, but they were never to they were never considered scripture even pope gregory the great and uh, uh, rejected the apocrypha you can go back to you and other church fathers before, way before the reformation so stating that the old testament had 22 books for example origin who knew hebrew very important but a lot of people in middle ages did not know hebrew that well barely even greek just latin origin would have said around the year 200 should be stated that the canonical books, as the Hebrews have handed them down, are 22, corresponding with the number of their letters. Okay, yes, origin was really weird with symbolism, but nonetheless, the point is, they, he had access to Jewish people, because he knew the language, and said that it was 22 books. Don't just take it from origin, from, from Athanasius too, you know, Athanasius holding up orthodoxy, small orthodoxy against the Arians, the religion, not the not the people. There are then of the Old Testament twenty-two books in number. This is the number of the letters among the Hebrews. And they could go on with other church fathers going back to that. There's the limited number, a smaller number than the Catholic, on the Old Testament. For the reference to the Jews combined multiple books, whereas we distinguish them like First and Second Kings would have been one book. First, second Samuel one, sometimes even mixed all of them together into the book of Kings. Jeremiah and Lamentations were combined. So that's why you also have a different number than even uh, Protestants have today. Right. So so not it wasn't universal unity until Billy Graham ripped it out of his Bible. Martin Luther. <laughs> Did you have a comment, Theodore? Oh, sure. Um in relation to him mentioning that like the Reformation helped spread the false belief that the Bible alone is all you need. I was just going to say that the fact is you don't even need the whole Bible and the Bible is way more than all you need. Um, all you need is the gospel. Um, in essence, the, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes Romans one sixteen. Yeah. And, and amen. And so to say that it's false to say that you only need the Bible is also to say that it's false um, that you only need the gospel or that the thief on the cross next to Jesus didn't even need the full teachings of Jesus. So there are many who are saved without the full understanding of Christianity, which I think this guy would also agree with. I doubt that he agrees that everybody needs a perfect understanding of Christianity to be saved. And therefore, uh, not only do Protestants say you only need the Bible, they don't even say that you need to know all the Bible. Um, now, we promote fullness of the Bible, just like we promote fullness of teaching and understanding and whatever else. Um, but we are very wary of so-called traditions that aren't in Scripture because of Jesus' warning against so-called traditions. Sola Scriptura. There are several problems with this. One, the Bible is a Catholic book. If you don't trust the church on anything else, why would you trust the Catholic church to provide you with the Bible? We, we trust the Catholic church. We don't trust the Roman Catholic church. And some people in our comments are like super upset that I keep putting RCC or Roman Catholic church. Um, but it's only because Catholics play this kind of game all the time. It's kind of like um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Right, the Mormons. Like, I'm not gonna call you the Church of Jesus Christ 
of Latter-day Saints because you're Mormons. Like, you're, I don't want you to be confused with the Church of Jesus Christ because I am in the Church of Jesus Christ, not you. So the same with the, the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church. Um, is it, They give themselves that title because they're holding on to a past they used to have and they apostatize from. So um, the Bible is not a Catholic book in a Roman Catholic sense. It's a Catholic book in a Christian sense. So, of course, Christians believe the Bible while still rejecting Rome. Please let me mindful that the Eastern Orthodox use the same argument and they used to be sometimes they call themselves the Eastern Catholic Orthodox Church mm -hmm. or another rearrangement of those words. So it's just playing games. Yes. The one book you're basing your entire religion off of. Second, Sola Scriptura simply isn't scriptural. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say the Bible alone or scripture alone. In addition to that, any references to scripture in the Bible are references to the Old Testament because the New Testament didn't exist yet. This is brutal. I'm surprised you put on such a well, um, well edited video with such bad attacks. Uh, two, two points, I'm just going to put them out there. Um, one, yes, we believe that most of the references to scripture in the New Testament are talking about the Old Testament. However, we do know that they weren't unknowing of the fact that the apostles' writings were scripture themselves or becoming scripture as they were written because Paul, uh, Peter references Paul in 2 Peter 3.15 and says that people are twisting Paul's words as they do other scriptures, implying that Paul's words yes. were themselves scriptures and Peter was recognizing that. So, um, yes, I think the, the writers of the New Testament probably didn't widely have the full New Testament because it wasn't all written yet or it hadn't been distributed yet. But, um, first of all, the Old Testament's perfectly legitimate so i don't know why you'd be knocking um, them only having the old testament but secondly the new testament had apostolic authority it had biblical authority it had holy spirit authority scriptural authority as it was being written which was something they were very well aware of in that time please keep this in mind this is a very very bad thing to say on solid scriptura you may you may be okay with this as a catholic because you don't agree with it however this could infinitely backfire on anybody, Catholic, Orthodox, Protestants, with this ba bad argument because by the same logic, you could say the same thing about the Trinity. Mm -hmm. Because Why are you Trinitarian? The word Trinity is not in the Bible. Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses, every, all those groups use it all the time. And it is not a... It shows inconsistency if you don't do this also for the Trinity. So I would say this is not a good argument to use. Yeah, we, we derive the concept of sola scriptura that is the only infallible rule of faith is from scripture based on all the teachings of Jesus as far as when he rebukes the Pharisees for taking on laws that they believed. They truly believed. I don't believe they were lying about it. They believed that these Mosaic traditions had been passed down orally since Moses, and that only a portion of the law had been passed down in the scriptures, the actual scriptures of uh, the Pentateuch, and that the rest of it was passed down orally. And so they had these other traditions that they couldn't find in scripture, and therefore they justified them by saying they must have been passed down by Moses. We've always believed this, you know, always. Um, of course, it's not true with the Roman Catholic tradition. It wasn't true with pharisaical tradition. And Jesus calls them out and says that you nullify the word of God for the sake of tradition, away with you like this this is anathema this mm -hmm. is evil so we do not want to be in a situation where we are coming off traditions that aren't found in scripture and holding to them as if they are scripture and it's one thing to say that we believe christmas is on december 25th it's another thing to say that you aren't a christian if you don't think that there's reasons to think that it is there's tra it's tra tradition that it is and i put away all the like pagan arguments about it i believe that it is church tradition he probably was born on december 25th but that's not said in the bible and therefore i'm not going to stake my life on that i'm not going to make a dogma you can't make things that are dogma that are outside of scripture. But the Roman Catholic Church has done that. What were we going to say, Theodore? 
I think also uh, both Paul and John write in their letters, um, like if anybody adds or takes away from what they've written, um, then may God judge them or condemn them, etc. for that. Yeah, so the, the very end of Revelation in right, which, says that as much. So if you were, yeah, if there was extra oral tradition that was added to Revelation, it's clearly not because he expressly calls it out. And again, the reason this is important, you may be wondering why are we hammering down such a, you might think a minute point or like, you know, it's such an old argument, why even think about it? It's because the Roman Catholic Church has put the curse of God on people that reject dogmas such as the bodily assumption of Mary, the Immaculate Conception of Mary, for example, or purgatory, the purgatory or the supremacy of the, pap of the papacy and papal infallibility as well. So, I mean, these are not get we we say we argue and we hold that these things are not gained from reading the Bible. These were development, development developed. Excuse me, hundreds if not thousands of years after the time of Jesus and the, and the apostles. Yeah, they're not found in scripture. They cannot be binding. That is what sola scriptura is. That's all it is. Many people wanted to say that like. Sola Scriptura means you don't listen to tradition. We do listen to tradition. It's just not authoritative like the Bible is. Finally, the Bible is a difficult book to understand. There has to be an authoritative interpretation or else you're going to have a bunch of different churches that all disagree on difficult passages. Jesus wanted his... You mean like the Eastern Orthodox, the Coptics, the Eastern Catholics that use the Catholic rites but are part of the Eastern Orthodox Church, the, Coptic, the Coptics or the Jansenists who split off from the Catholic Church in Northern, in, in Netherlands, the Donatists. I mean, Catholics have the same uh, splinter, excuse, groups. splinter groups yeah. within them. So I would, I would say, yeah, this is not a good argument as well. Same, especially with Protestantism. I would say <laughs> there's more in common with Bible-believing Protestants Lutherans, Presbyterians, Baptists, you name them, than among some of these splinter groups within these high church, Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, and, and friends. Well, and just to go back to the Pharisees example, like I, the Pharisees are such a famous character group that you'd be surprised in the Roman Catholics don't see the mirror that's reflecting on themselves, but the Pharisees sat in the seat of Moses. So said Jesus. So he says, you know, listen to them because they sit in the seat of authority that was given to Moses. However, don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. And then clearly, just to double up, they didn't necessarily only teach good things either because they taught the Corban rule and Jesus condemns the Corban rule as being tradition of men, not of God. And so their seat on Moses, clearly the authority only went as far as truth, as far as scripture. And so in the same way, um, this authoritative interpretation of scripture was not needed back then. It's not needed now. And, and they used that seat of Moses phrase from Jesus to say that the new seat of authority must be in the Roman Catholic Church. But Jews at the time, faithful Jews, didn't require the priesthood to understand the scriptures. Um, that's just the fact. We would hold that the Holy Spirit has been present since the time of the apostles, has the same power to inhabit in us as now us being temples of the Holy Spirit and communicate the truths that God wants us to know, to be able to be in a wholesome relationship with him truly yep is people to be one but the fruit of sola scriptura is disunity it's not <laughs> i i i understand there are many and he's going to list off of many protestant organizations but like so ashton said there's many catholic organizations so if we're comparing fruits here there's equal splits between all of us right and unlike 
the Catholic Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Protestants have not placed the anathemas on each other. I mean, Luther may have had, you know, some ramblings and anger. Well, and some, swingly. some splinter groups are straight up anathema. Like we don't hug uh, universal Unitarians because we believe they reject the gospel, just like we believe Roman Catholics reject the gospel. But the Presbyterian Church down the street, which I disagree with, is not anathema. Whereas the Catholic Church, supposedly, although these days they're so squishy, puts the anathema on those outside of the Roman Catholic Church. Yes. One man breaks away to start a church based on the Bible alone. If another disagrees, he starts his own church. Next thing you know, there are thousands of different churches all claiming to go on the Bible alone. The question is, are the differences significant that, no, that they would anathematize each other? I would actually say no. We would have, okay, maybe Methodists, okay. They, they're, they're a little bit crazy these days, but when they were originally founded, I would have had no problem going to a Lutheran church, Methodist, and Presbyterian, Baptist, you know, etc. Et you get the point. Because we all hold to the same essential beliefs, the triune nature of God, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and of course the divinity of Jesus Christ. Everything else is not something to excommunicate each other for, even though these are differences, and not, not that they're minor, they're important, but they're not a make it or break it, you know, yeah. meaning heaven or hell, type of deal, whereas the Catholic Church has placed the anathema on pretty, might take minor things throughout its history. And notice too, just this attack on Protestant churches is such a common one, so I just want to double up on it. Look at the images he's showing. Sugarland Family Church. I almost guarantee you Sugarland Family Church belongs to some larger organization. So claiming that Sugarland Family Church is its own little Bible under a tree church, sometimes that's true, but often it's not, is like claiming like St. Francis's Baptist or St. Francis's Catholic Church, like in downtown St. Paul or whatever, um, that that is its own church. Well, no, it's part of the Catholic Church. It just has its own name because it's its own building. Like it has its own identity mm -hmm. as part of building in the Catholic Church. The same with this Sugarland Family Church. I'm almost positive it belongs to either like Southern Baptists or something like that. So it belongs to a bigger organization. And Southern Baptists are a big organization with many churches under them. They don't anathematize Presbyterians and other churches. So we still believe in the Catholic Church, small c. Um, even if we break off into smaller local bodies. Likewise, Catholicism looks very different in the U.S. compared to Latin America, compared to Europe, compared to Africa. Are you going to then say that they're all different churches? Probably are not going to say that. I don't think the Pope, would, I mean, actually, I don't know what the Pope would say anymore, but um, many conservative Catholics would say, no, they're all part of the same body. Right. The Bible is a Catholic book. Just as faith and reason go together, scripture and tradition go together. There's nothing that the Catholic Church teaches, when properly understood, that contradicts Scripture properly understood. Anybody could say that, right? You have to prove the proof is in the pudding. Like Mormons say that nothing in the Bible contradicts the Book of Mormon when properly understood. <laughs> okay, but it clearly does by plain true reading. But you might claim that the proper the proper understanding of the Bible is that there's multiple gods. Okay. Not, not in anybody else's opinion except for the Mormon Church. So in the same way, the Catholic says nothing that the Catholic, teach, Catholic Church teaches is against what the Scripture shows. But we would show the many places where Scripture says you should not worship anybody but God alone. And then they say, well, when we worship Mary, it's actually Latria, or it's, it's Dulia, Dulia yes. not Latria. So therefore, it's okay. But that's not what Scripture teaches. In any case, there's many examples of this mm -hmm. that just gets down to our normal arguments.
Scripture supports the church and the church supports scripture. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, St. Paul says, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Here he is speaking of scripture and tradition. Classic. It is a classic. You know, they, ha they have to go because they have to find a tradition in a good light when there are many, many areas where tradition is put in a bad light. Like I said, it's a constant refrain against the Pharisees. One portion of the New Testament has this tradition, a good thing. The traditions given by either letter or mouth. I would assume that these traditions would be in line with Scripture. You know, it would be things that were included in Scripture, considering it's Scripture that we base our faith off of. Um, you really don't have much of a leg to stand on to say that the oral things that the apostles were teaching were different or extra from Scripture. I would say that they're what are included in the Scripture. We're, we're kind of just, we're in a hearsay situation because I would say it's, they were only teaching what was included in scripture and you would say, no, it was all this extra stuff. How are we to say which one was taught? We don't know. Right. And I would actually challenge, this is Gabriel, this is the, ch the channel owner, Gabby. He, in one of his interviews, he has called Mary the mediatrix of all graces, which is it's like, wow, we talked about that potential, mm -hmm. maybe new Catholic dogma that could be added at some point, that Mary is co-redemptrix mm -hmm. with Jesus Christ. Where's that in the Bible? Could you point to us a tradition that, from the scripture that's where we would get the idea that Mary is indeed the mediatrix of all graces or co-redemptrix with Jesus Christ? And frankly, you end up in huge arguments from silence to say that because we don't see the apostolic fathers either teaching or denying certain crazy traditions, they must have been traditions in the background because now we believe them and we know that the Catholic Church only believes true traditions. Um, you end up in a lot of situations like that where Catholics are hunting, hunting, hunting for Marian dogma or other things like that in early church fathers who didn't even know the arguments. And so when they say like Mary's cool, they're like, oh, there it is. She's, she's born sinless, and I'm like, oh, I don't think that's what Athanasius is saying um, when he says that Mary is the mother of God, but you do you. Or with the Eucharist that was codified, put on paper in 1215 at the Lateran Council, it wasn't really, the, the, the doctrine of the Eucharist wasn't formalized in the way before, and even Catholic scholars argue, yeah, so you have like hints and shadows of Eucharistic thought and teaching in the, early, in the Middle Ages, early church, but... Irenaeus will say, like, it's truly the bread and uh, body, or the body and blood of Christ. And they'll be like, see, he believes in transubstantiation. And I'm like, I believe it's truly the body and blood of Jesus Christ. You freak? So, like, <laughs> calm down. They're very desperate for it. And so you end up, and we say all this to say, you end up, when you allow oral tradition to sneak in, um, you don't have the apostles having taught you oral tradition. So how are you to know what they taught orally? When Paul wrote that, he was saying, believe what you have heard orally or via letter. None of us have heard orally from the apostles, so I don't think we can have any authority to say what was orally transmitted, lest we become the Pharisees, which is in very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Totally Catholic. In John chapter 6, verse 53 and 54, we can hear Jesus talking about the Catholic Eucharist. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Do you think Protestants disagree with this text? Pop quiz, you know, Catholic. Do they? No, they don't. And somehow, I still take this text, hold to it, and say that, yes, I have truly eaten the flesh of the Son of Man and drunk his blood, and I've never taken Mass, never done the Eucharist. How could it be? 
I mean, am I just reading this wrong, or is it a spiritual understanding of eating and drinking of the Lord? And I, I, I challenge you to understand the Protestant conception of this. This is not a clear Catholic teaching, Roman Catholic teaching. Um, again, as Sebastian just said, they didn't even have transubstantiation um, until later, eventually codified in 1215. There were those who believed it earlier, but in any case, there were many, many, many true Christians who did not take the transubstantiation belief. Yeah, we did an episode two on subject of Eucharist and how it was. There was a debate in the year eight hundred, mid eight hundreds, between Ratramnus and oh, I forget the the other guy's name. Probably like erased it out of my out of my mind. <laughs> uh, anyway, Bertram of Corby against this his opponent who was holding to his opponent was holding to the idea that the the bread and the wine, using Aristotelian categories, does indeed in substance turn into the body. And blood of Jesus Christ and Bertram a good Catholic was saying no from tradition and the church fathers we hold that yes Jesus Christ is truly present in the body and the blood which Protestants would also say John Calvin would have said that Knox would have said that Luther would have said that so yeah Miss Michael is saying please learn the actual understanding of Protestant of that Protestants have on this text and also no one denies the real presence i mean maybe some fringe strange group out there you know living in the woods denies it but traditional well-informed protestants have, ne have never rejected the real presence of jesus christ in the eucharist what is rejected is the doctrine of transubstantiation which wasn't developed until the late 800s early 900s and finally codified in roman catholic teaching in 1215 so it took over a thousand years for the teaching to finally develop and be taught yeah. dogmatically. Now, now, don't get us wrong. When we say we believe in the real presence, we don't believe that the bread is magically transformed into the flesh and that the blood is now the blood of Jesus Christ. But we do believe they symbolize these things. And therefore, you can say that it is his flesh and it is his blood. Yes. It's not false to say that. And equally, we believe that Christ is present wherever two or more believers are there. So, of course, he's present during the Eucharist in honor of him. Um but that doesn't mean that you're holding the blood, like the actual blood transformed into his blood when you drink the the wine or the grape juice if you're at a Baptist church. So that's, don't get us wrong, we're not, we're not believing in the Catholic version of Eucharist, um, but we are adhering to this scripture truly. Right, so well, again, it just, what I'm saying is it took a thousand years for that doctrine to finally develop. So a long time after the fact, the time of Jesus. Right. In John chapter 20, verse 22 and 23, after Jesus died on the cross, he comes back to the apostles and institutes the sacrament of confession. The scripture tells us he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Theodore, I think you have some comment on this one. Gotta take this. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. So, uh, Roman Catholics want to misconstrue this as a requirement to go uh, to that one priest in that one church, for he has the supposed uh, apostolic authority to absolve you of sin. But Jesus was speaking to all his disciples here, and it's not as if any one of us, uh, nor even the apostles, were able to, of his own accord, keep anyone unforgiven or out of heaven. The authority to forgive sins is not the authority to play God and adjudicate the eternal fate of anyone. Rather, it is to empower and enable us to practice a great act of love, forgiveness. After all, scripture is abundantly clear that Christians are to forgive. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 22, 
Peter asks Jesus if he is to forgive his brother more than once, possibly up to seven times. But Jesus responds, not up to seven times, but up to 77 times. In Matthew 6, uh, verses 14 and 15, it is described as a strict, drastic contract, even that if you forgive others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive, then you will also, then you also will not be forgiven. Um, and in Acts 10, Peter saw the Holy Spirit had been poured out on not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. And he exclaimed, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we did. Likely, uh, likewise, uh, surely no one can refuse forgiveness to a repentant sinner. Lastly, I noticed in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10, All writes, but whomever you forgive, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ. It is as if the Corinthians are stingy on forgiveness, or they are afraid that they don't have the authority, or perhaps they believe it is unlawful to forgive someone who is perceived as being undeserving of forgiveness. But Paul is empowering and encouraging them to forgive by offering his support, authority, stamp, and approval for whomever or whatever the church is willing to forgive. And likewise, um, surely not one apostle, um, well, sorry, this was uh, for that <laughs> potential objection, the bind or loosing um, on earth and in heaven. Um, I just add to the end of this. And likewise, surely not one apostle could refuse to bind or loose something that God promised to bind or loose in heaven or something that he had already bound or loosed in heaven. Yeah, amen. And then that's just in case you're wondering, it's a reference to another Catholic place they'll go to and say that similarly, just as these apostles are given the authority to forgive sins and then retain sins, they're also given the ability, same wording, so we think it's the same same right here, to, um, to bind things in heaven and to loose things in heaven. We clearly see that men are not the redeemers of men without Jesus. So when it says that if you forgive the sins, they are forgiven, do we truly believe that somebody who is not repentant, they haven't turned to Jesus Christ, and then I forgive them of their sins, that these sins are no longer on their account and that they're free without Christ? Clearly not. So this this statement has its clear limits, and I think you put them or properly that this is for really a right to forgive and that just as Christ says you must always forgive really truly um, this is really to say that you should forgive now that you receive the Holy Spirit the forgiveness if you forgive them they're forgiven like know that that forgiveness is real and that if you retain the sins they're retained which is a, a bad thing so um, Catholics might point to like Ananias and Sapphira who are killed um, by the Holy Spirit because they lie to Peter um, but I mean, name me the last time a, a Catholic priest was able to destroy somebody from heaven. Never. So, I mean, again, I think if you read this to mean that, that men are suddenly the redeemers of men through the, sacra the sacrament of confession, you are reading a lot into this text that is not there. And we also see elsewhere in Scripture when it says confess your sins to one another, um, there's no special sacrament rite and it's not particularly to a priest. So we would deny the sacrament of confession, but of course we endorse confessing sins to one mm -hmm. another. Later in James chapter 5, verse 16, we read, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Which we hope Again, to. confession of sins. And I could go on and on with various scripture verses. And Again, as if Protestants didn't believe in the confession of sins, 
Are you crazy? <laughs> Teachings of the church that support one another. The Bible is a Catholic book. Scripture and the church do not contradict. You might say, but our Protestant brothers and sisters have scriptures that they use against us. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I was going to say, you want to hear what he says in a bit. Yes, but those scriptures are taken out of context. If you look closely at those verses, they simply do not say what they're trying to get them to say. So, for example, Protestants will try and use 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Amen. We agree with that completely. He, he didn't actually go the rest of it. It says that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That is the, the, the end part there is especially important because it is equipped for every good work. Man of God is complete, i.e. scripture is enough to complete a man of God, to equip him for every good work. That's where Protestants push this. Right. So what this allows is, what they're trying to do here is that, yes, scripture is very good for teaching and reproof, but it is not the only source of teaching and correction. You also have the traditions as was laid on before, by the apostles hold on to these traditions and then you might recently ask well what traditions oh you mean like transubstantiation the bodily assumption of mary papal supremacy oh well seems like and to me it seems like an excuse to sneak those in because you cannot find them directly in the bible so then you say it's like oh these are traditions that have been passed down from the apostles that were not written down well and and the scripture here is complete or is is uh, Full when it says that the man of God may be complete, equipped with ev for every good work, meaning you don't need the traditions. Like the Catholic Church says you need them because they're dogmatic. We say we don't need them. You can even see just a little snippet. If you read this verse in context, um, right above it, it says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Catholic here is going to say that this verse doesn't include the New Testament because it was still being written, and so it's only referring to the Old Testament. So clearly, um, all scripture... Uh, Sola Scriptura isn't true because they're leaving out the New Testament when they say that all Scripture is enough to make a man of God complete. We would say, I actually agree here, because he says, and from childhood you have acquainted with the sacred writings. This childhood sacred writings would have been the Old Testament to Timothy. We believe that you can just have the Old Testament and still know salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, of course, we have the New Testament today, so all the better. But even the Old Testament is enough for a man to be complete and equipped for every good work. Check out the book of Hebrews, which is a summary mm -hmm. of the entire Old, of the Old Testament. And ironically, it also refutes the idea of the repetitive sacrifice of the Eucharist by emphasizing how, unlike the Old Testament sacrifices, Jesus Christ died once and for all for the atonement of all sins, meaning you don't have to represent his sacrifice over and over again. So uh, there's a lot of that the traditions go off in Scripture. And I do want to cite Aaron, um, Athan Athanasius, excuse me famous church father these are the fount speaking on the old and new testament these are the fountains of salvation that they who thirst may be satisfied with the living words they contain in these alone is proclaimed the doctrine of godliness let no man add to these neither let him take aught from these for concerning these the lord put to shame the sadducees and said you do ye do err not knowing the scriptures and he reproved the Jews, saying, Search the scriptures, for these are they that testify of me. So here's church father. We both agree he's a church father of the church. You're normally Catholics. And here he is saying that 
uh, do not add or subtract from Scripture when you're talking about teachings because they are enough. And here's Christ rebuking people for not knowing the Scriptures and telling them to search the Scriptures. And again, those would have been the Old Testament. So we say Old Testament is enough. Of course, we benefit from the New as well. Um, but this is true. This is support for a sola scriptura in context. We can even see it here on the screen. And again, we hammer this down because the Catholic Church places the curse of God on people that reject some of these so-called traditions. Mm-hmm. So if there were minor things that you can just disagree with, I mean, I guess I mean, there'd still be strange to believe in the bodily assumption of Mary, but the fact that it places the curse of God on you is why this is such a important thing to debate. Scripture is inspired by God, and it is profitable for teaching and correction, but it doesn't say only Scripture is profitable for teaching and correction. Nor did we say that, and nor do we think this text says that. But it does say that a man is complete and equipped for every good work with Scripture. So we're not saying you can only have Scripture. We both, we all, I think on this call, read Mm -hmm. other things that are not Scripture, and they benefit us, and we listen to other people and whatever else. But if we only had Scripture, it would be enough. And you cannot get a lot of the Roman Catholic dogmas without Scripture. And that's where the jib is. Scripture tells us in 1 Timothy 3.15 that the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And the truth, as you can see, is consistent and defensible. The- Which church? We believe that we are in the church, not the Roman Catholic church. The church is the pillar and foundation of the truth because she has her authority from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who instituted the church. If you want to get to know Jesus better, you must read the Bible, especially the New Testament. St. Jerome tells us that ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Agreed. As Catholics, we must especially read the Bible. We must learn to recognize the ways of Jesus Christ. We must learn to recognize the voice of Jesus Christ. The Bible isn't a dead letter. It is the living Word of God. I thought you said at the very beginning of the video that Jesus didn't speak the Bible, but now you're saying he spoke the Bible. I'm glad I didn't really want to push it because incarnate Jesus didn't speak the words of the Bible, but like the word of God, who he is, did speak the word through the Holy Spirit. So like, whatever. I'm glad we agree on that front. In scripture, we don't just read the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ speaks to us today. I encourage you to read the scriptures prayerfully. Pray with them. She's in Tobit, if you noticed, which is... Meditate upon them, and most importantly, listen. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you're watching this and you're a non-Catholic, I would like to encourage you to continue to research the Catholic faith, because ultimately, there's just one reason to be Catholic, and that's because it's true. It sounds pretty nice. Again, the Eastern Orthodox say the exact same thing, as I, and as I like to say, you've heard me say this before, why have one Pope when you can have five? So eh. you yeah. need to substantiate your your doc, your teachings, friends. And as we have seen, they're, 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 the Catholic Church doesn't stand on solid ground. There are many reasons to be non-Roman Catholic, and one of them is that it's not true. Which we have gone over in our <laughs> video for five reasons why we're not Roman Catholic. And we don't mean to be flippant. I know that that we smirk and have fun here, but it's not just to be flippant. We believe that these matters are of life and death. Again, Mm -hmm. if you look at our other Roman Catholic episodes, you'll show that you'll see that we don't categorically say that anybody who claims to be Roman Catholic is not saved. But we do believe the institution, the Roman Catholic Church, has left the gospel specifically. They haven't just forgotten about it. They have left it and said that it is wrong. And so there are people saved despite this teaching from the Catholic Church. We agree. But the teaching of the Catholic Church says that man is not saved by Jesus Christ alone, but is instead saved by Jesus Christ 
and his own merit. And that is wrong. That's officially anathematized by St. Paul. And so we do not believe it. We believe it's a false gospel, not to mention all the other additions that they make part of necessary uh, faithful belief that we disagree with. And so we do not want to live the, the fa false faith of Pharisees, and we don't want to lead other people into it. Jesus himself said that Pharisees um, were already bad, and then they went and made apostles and made them even worse than them, and we don't want to be a part of that system. We don't want to just give nods to people who we disagree with like this. We disagree with many Protestant groups that we do not call out like we do Roman Catholics, um, and we disagree with uh, other, I guess they're considered Protestant just because they're not ancient so-called apostolic churches, um, but we disagree with churches of Africa and China in many regards too, and yet we consider them brothers in Christ. So we're, we, we don't push the Roman Catholic Church like this lightly. We believe it is a gospel issue and one that leads to life or death. With that being said, do we have any closing comments, Theodore or Sebastian? <laughs> well then, thank you for listening. We've found our cause and serving the lord jesus christ i've been michael the man behind the machine and to my right has been sebastian the bookkeeper and all the way over the airwaves it's been theodore under the pc thank you for listening if you want to see the rest of our episodes you got to go to foundcause.podbean.com where we have all of them downloadable for your listening pleasure that's audio only though if you want to go see our beautiful faces in the face of gabby and the rest of these catholics you will have to go to youtube and find us in there we're also on facebook.com forward slash found cause we're also on iTunes and Spotify and wherever else you might find your podcast. So until next time, when we talk about something completely different, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.